you, you got me good with the plastic phone that day, Ethan. You you really know that you're trying too hard when your friends 3D print an iPhone just to trick you. They they were planning that too. They printed like the phone like a week in advance and then painted it and everything. Yeah, it, it looked pretty realistic. I mean, it was it was kind of nuts. I anyway. That's what you get for trying to take phones. Well, that's what you get for having a 3D printer that the uh, the pre-engineering students can can use for whatever they want. It that's was a good investment. I, I suppose so. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of What's the Res? My name is Josh Herring. My name is Ethan Delves. Today, uh, we are, as always, dedicated to hosting the ongoing conversation about the current resolutions in the world of high school debate, uh, but we're going to do something a little bit different today. We're talk about critiques. We are. We're, we've been getting ready for uh, our, our team's first big national circuit tournament that we've ever gone to. I mean, we've, we've, done, we've done a national circuit tournament uh, that was here in North Carolina, but we're headed up to the uh, 46th Harvard National Forensics Tournaments next yep. week. And as part of that, we've been getting ready to deal with some different kinds of argumentation that we don't normally run into in our circuit here in North Carolina. So, Ethan, what, uh, give, us, give us your take on what a critique is and where it's useful and, uh, yeah, what you think of the, the argument strategy. Yeah, so running into critiques is just something that happens as your debate program grows a little bit larger. Um, so we've never really had to deal with anything like this before. But I talked to a couple debaters at Durham, and it seems like they've encountered critique debaters before. It depends on what league you're in. So I know TOC has most of the critique debaters. But a critique is basically an approach to a resolution that says instead of focusing on the topic and the substance of the resolution, we need to focus on the implications of the resolution or the implications of what my opponent is saying. So it's not a strategy for debating. It's a strategy for shifting the debate towards something else. And it's like it's almost like transferring the debate into a completely different world of what's supposed to happen. And then the arguments just go completely astray and different from there. Right. And I, I think in terms of... In terms of the debate theory, the I think this fits. It, it, it's connected to the comparative worlds theory we run into a lot, and I know you use and you, you like. I, I still don't like the idea, but it's not but, a theory. It's just an analogy. Oh my goodness! Well, at least the way it's used in round. I mean, like, so debaters yeah, always in the affirmative world and the negative. Exactly, world. and they they uh, they have this idea. They they usually sell this to me as the judge of saying that I am uh, choosing one of these two worlds mm-hmm. through my ballot. So they're each trying to show me simultaneously how their world is superior to the opposition and yet how the opposition's world is somehow insufficient. A critique uh, really moves this whole argument in an a priori direction where the first piece of a critique is to establish the fact that arguing the resolution constitutes some sort of moral harm because we are affirming worlds in which some uh, structural or systemic problem exists and both debaters will be harmed by debating that resolution because they're inherently affirming a world in which, say, feminism, racism, uh, uh, so on, other structural uh, injustices are affirmed. So rather than the debate in the resolution, a critique shifts the subject matter of the debate where typically a negative debater will run the, the, a critique in the first negative constructive speech. And then, it, then, then it's a choice of like, what, what strategy do you employ yeah. to respond on AF? And I talked to Anthony, which was judging that one round at Durham afterwards, who I know he goes to a lot of debate camps. He knows a lot about this stuff. And he explained it, that there's two different ways to argue in debate. There's there's semantics and there's pragmatics. And if I, if I get this wrong and anyone's listening to this, please switch this around. 
but I believe that semantics is arguing the actual resolution, and then pragmatics is arguing the critique side, where you're saying, no, like, practically we can't affirm this side of the resolution because that's going to put harm into the real world, and this is no longer a game because you just used offensive language, uh, a flawed approach to the resolution, you're promoting capitalism, we can't have that, so let's run a critique so that I, as a better model of what a debater should be, can be moved up in the ranks. I think that's, that sounds about right. I mean, it's really a, it's a question that uh, people have to wrestle with. I know it bothers me because uh, when we prepare for a tournament, we spend I don't know how many hours researching, practicing, cutting cards, preparing blocks, all based on the terms of the resolution. And uh, so if anybody is uh, listening to this and you have me as a judge in the future, uh, I'll just go ahead and mention this is in my paradigm. I hate this kind of argument. I think it's terrible because it harms the educational value of debate. So if you do have me for a round and your opponent runs a K and you run a response that brings up the inherent value of debate and how this has harmed the educational purposes of debate, I'm very friendly to that argument. We'll probably give you the rounds. Um, but I think the, the critique is very interesting to a lot of people. I think for at least two reasons. You'll have to tell me what you think of these. Okay. Um, we have a previous episode with a friend of mine named Brian Brooks, who's a policy coach down in Texas. And he loves critiques because policy debate focuses on one resolution all year long. And sometimes the critique gives you way more interesting stuff to deal with than the actual resolution because the resolution is not that good. But he went on to explain in that episode that the reason he likes critiques as well is that it really becomes a way that students can affirm their own consciences. And rather than upholding a case that they are morally concerned with upholding that case, the critique gives them a way around that. I think that's the best possible scenario for considering a critique. The, the main way I think critiques actually end up being run is that this, this becomes a strategy that is taught in debate camps and then is used by the people who go to debate camps to make themselves appear to have a much greater amount of debate knowledge and topic research and... Wokeness. Wokeness, yes, than, uh, than their less skilled uh, opponents. And then it becomes a... It really becomes a trick to try and win rather than a sincere discussion of an important issue or a sincere discussion of the debate. What, what do you think of those two reasons, Ethan? Do you see other stuff there? I mean, yeah, I can, I can understand why a critique would add more interesting parts to a debate and policy debate, and that's primarily why I think critiques belong in policy debate, and that's why we have public forum and LD was to sort of get away from that, because the resolution changes every one or two months in those styles, and that was a movement away from critiques and solvency and stock issues in policy. So if critiques had a place anywhere, it would be in policy. And I'm not, I'm not starkly opposed to it there. I just think it's not the most effective way to actually do what the purpose set out for critiques is supposed to do. Because if, if there, let's say there is an actual social issue. So we could say everything that feminism advocates for is a real social problem. Then if you're arguing a critique in round, you're, you're assuming that you can somehow put part of a solution into practice with that problem, or you can be part of the solution to that problem. And I don't think that giving a seven-minute speech to people who are oriented around playing a game is going to do anything to perpetuate solutions for that, um, that problem. And it doesn't have to be feminism. It could be the people make Native American arguments or minority arguments or there's Afro-pessimism, all these things. I think it's if a person truly believes in these issues, then they would be doing more harm than good by presenting a short, very convoluted and not well thought out approach to solving these problems. So they would actually be, um, at least I think, convoluting the narrative more 
and not effectively arguing their position. And I'm not saying, I don't think either of us are saying, because there's no way that we would, with both of us could either, could ever become knowledgeable enough to know um, just how impactful um, everything that feminism argues for or Afro-pessimism, really, how, how can you measure oppression in the world? There's really no way to do it. We're not saying that it doesn't exist. We're saying that in a competitive game, it's one, I would say, disrespectful to try to solve these problems in the first place because you can't do that by trying to convince two deba- or a debater and a judge that didn't come there to even think about it, um, about the solutions to that issue. And you can't, so you can't assume that you're the solution and you can't use it as a winning strategy because both of those don't give any respect to actually finding real solutions in the real world. So a critique has no other, no use besides adding interest to a debate, which I think is great for policy debaters because, yes, they're stuck with one resolution all year. Um, and it provides a winning strategy. So you can use your own moral compass to judge if you want to use it as a winning strategy um, and potentially harm any narratives given or harm the quality of the game. I think that's an important point. I, I hadn't really thought about the way that that could trivialize really important issues, because you're right. I mean, there are huge issues at stake in the kind of questions that critiques raise. I mean, there there are structural pieces to of capitalism that can enhance greed at the cost of human flourishing throughout mm-hmm. countries that are capitalistic. But we don't need to reduce that to a... Uh, an attempt to outspread the opponent by reading 10 pages of evidence in five minutes on top of a response to the affirmative framework in some way. Uh, that, that really does reduce those ha- the, the impact that the, of, the re- uh, of recognizing that real problem. Yeah, I mean, if, if you truly believe capitalism is such a big problem, then you wouldn't be participating in a capitalist society or going to a debate tournament. You would be spending your time who knows, protesting, writing um, dissertations on why capitalism is bad, trying to convince people um, or, you know, v- rallying for reform somehow. You know, like the debate tournament is the last place you want to be because this is a place where everybody's, take yes, taking topics seriously, but not taking putting anything into action seriously or else we would all be, you know, trying to eliminate nuclear arsenals in the nine states that have them rather than talking about <laughs> eliminating the nuclear arsenals in nine states that have them, you know? So we're not actually trying to solve these problems. We're just trying to just discover truth around the issue. So it really does. I, I think that I think we're in agreement that a critique is ultimately, it's it doesn't really fit the nature of debate and can really, it can derail what everybody comes together to discuss. I can see that. for Public Forum and Lincoln Douglas policy. Since I don't know that much about policy, I'm willing to give it some leeway there just because I lack expertise in that area. And I I remember uh, Dr. Voth doing a a judge's training at the Coolidge Cup last summer where he talked about... No, I think this is when he was talking to the uh, students. And he he talked about this along with a whole bunch of other policy pieces pieces from policy debate. And... I mean, Dr. Voth knows the game very, very well, and he knows how all those pieces fit together. But a critique, really, uh, it harms the public communication aspect of, of debate. And that's, he was, he was telling a whole bunch of students who had, most of which had come to the Coolidge Cup from a previous national tournament, whether it was NSDA or Tournament of Champions or something else. And he told them that their job, their task was to communicate to ordinary Vermonters. Yep. And that's why the Coolidge Cup is so different. I mean, they're average Vermonters, so you have, like, the best debaters from all around the country just dropping, like, yep. like flies in those uh, rounds. And it's, just, it's was, crazy. Uh, I met a, uh, a farmer named Howard who was... Uh, he, he's been there judging, I think, for eight years in a row. Wow. And, uh, he was the guy who judged you at your uh, double ox round two yeah. summers ago. That was, that was Howard. Well, um... 
I don't know that we need to go too much deeper into this, but we probably should discuss our actual experience with critiques. I know um, uh, we started digging into this a couple weeks ago and quickly found the uh, National Debate Coach Association maintains several file sets where you can download uh, fully formatted critiques uh, that are, uh, I think one was up to 600 pages. Most of them were around 150 pages of cards that are all set up in a certain structure. Ethan, what's the what's the general structure of a K? Uh, you have a link, an impact, and alternative. So the link is the part that the negative side, or affirmative, there's affirmative critiques too, and don't even get me started on how those I, work. I, I have still no don't know idea. how that works. That's just know. a resolutional critique, because you can't critique the language of the other team unless they've actually gotten them and said something. But the general, and there's a great document for this. It was like maybe seven pages long. I, I, we could probably put it in the, the description below. That is great at outlining exactly what a critique is. But it has three parts. There's the link, there's the impact, and there's the alternative. The link is the first thing that you say, which is basically the one or two sentences that connects w the literature that you're describing to the resolution at hand. So if you're running a capitalism K, you can use all of the same impacts and probably all of the same alternatives that you want, but you need to change the link so that it, it fits like a puzzle piece into whatever resolution you're talking about. So then the link for a negative nuclear arsenals critique would need to somehow connect. If you're running a capitalism K, you need to connect it to nuclear arsenals. That's what the link is for. It's just one or two sentences is usually in bold at the top. Then we the, did a we did a practice feminine we did, uh, fem yep. K where uh, I think the link uh, asserted that a world in a world in which nuclear arsenals exist is a world premised on the existence of the patriarchy because the patriarchy drives competition that right. leads to militarism. So in order to a we, we need to, the link has to establish the prior issue that's in play. So we had to establish that before we can really get into the issue of nuclear arsenals, we have to first overthrow the patriarchy and establish a feminist world in which the abolition of nuclear arsenals is even possible. Yeah, and it's you can see already how it's pretty easy to find a link and, and tie something, however loosely it may be, to whatever resolution you're arguing. And then there's the impact, which is the long 10, 11 pages of, quote, literature that is that you can find all over the internet. There's plenty of angry professors that have nothing better to do with their time that are writing about social issues um, and rather than actually doing anything about them or, or anything for that matter. Or and, just teaching or, or just teaching. subjects. Yeah. But they will write their long, long pages that are really, really good for citing and critiques and in debate in general. Um, and it always looks nice to have someone with a PhD on there. But mainly those will just be maybe 10 pages of evidence and then you'll bold and underline the parts that you want to use and skip around, spread as much as you want to, um, to get as much information out as possible. And usually this information is not like typical semantics debate information. It's, it's typically in the form of um, like logical connections and literature sort of connections, while there's much more numbers in an actual semantics debate that don't really play into the pragmatics debate as much, is just a strategy thing that I um, that I noticed there, if that's of any value to anyone. And then the last thing is the alternative, which I do not fully understand. Um, so I would leave that to whatever document that we're going to put in the description to describe better. Um, but the alternative is basically like, what are we going to do instead? Of, or what's the, what's the better alternative to debating this resolution? Yeah, and then the that that's I think that's about that's a pretty decent description because when we put these together, it really became a matter, and especially for those who are listening who are not debaters, uh, you may be surprised to know that this is pretty common in the debate world. The the K is basically a pre prepared prepared brief that someone else has compiled out of several hundred hours of research goes into these things, but the debaters running the K is typically. 
And I'm sure there are exceptions, but uh, I, I cannot imagine that there are a lot of debaters who have themselves read all the sources that the K literature is drawing on. What they're doing instead is they're reading fragments of sentences that assert inherent, har inherent structural problems and then building a case that that, that matters. Uh, so, Ethan, you mentioned wokeness earlier. I mean, these, these, these critiques are typically tied to some of the most pertinent issues in the social justice movement. Uh, we've mentioned capitalism. We've mentioned feminism. Uh, Afro-pessimism. Uh, that's the interesting that's, – uh, that, that's the one that, if I understand the argument, asserts that anyone who claims to uh, be solving for uh, racial problems in society is open to an Afro-pessimism K, which – asserts the structural racism is uh, it's impossible to ever resolve and so there will never be any kind of true racial equality and anyone who claims that things are better for African Americans now than they were at some point in the past is really missing the reality of racism in the world today. So if you claim that your case advocates some kind of increase in employment or education for African Americans versus, say, 100 years ago, the Afro-pessimism K is going to say that you are missing the, reality, the continued injustices in the world and, and so on. These are usually there, there's also there's language Ks. Um, I those read are it, the yeah those are the surprising ones. Where like I, the affirmative team will say one thing, and they're like they they said you know Indian instead of Native American, and then yep. it all just breaks loose from there. The know, massive uh, K. we had a, a friend who uh, sent us a, a document he called the K Killer, and it told a story from uh, 2014 in a policy round where one team used the word blackmail. And the, op the opposing team then ran a language critique on that and won the round, asserting that by using the word blackmail, the, the team that used that phrase is asserting a world in which white power is always oppressing to oppressive over African Americans. Yeah, and it wasn't like blackmail, like black male-gendered person. It was like blackmail. Right. Like holding like something over someone's head. Yeah. use so this action you did to extort money or power from you. But the word way. black is in there, which is where the problem occurred. So, all that to say, uh, we are moving into circles where we're probably going to run into this sort of argument, and over the last uh, few weeks, we've been trying to think ahead about, uh, we, we tried, I, I tried writing a, a document for our team, if you run into a K, assert that the K is bad. I don't think that's really going to hold any water. What we found when we actually practiced this uh, is that Ks are, at least the ones we were able to put together, uh, Ks are usually compiled with very sloppy logic. So, Ethan, how would you respond if, if someone ran a ran a capitalism K on your your LD case? What would you What would your main piece be to look at? Well, you actually did run a capitalism K against me, and my one of my favorite responses in there was the fact that voting for you would only prove that the capitalist system that got you there was successful. <laughs> so you should vote against it under his own logic. Um, and I would argue that you can't prove. Um, that sort of structural oppression in a, in a four-minute speech with random literature that you've drawn from the internet. And I would also argue that capitalism is a more effective system than my opponent is claiming it to be. Um, because even though there's, there's going to be inequality in every system, and every time that we try to establish equality through an, from an institutional approach, it's gone really badly. And I'm thinking mainly of Marxism um, in that instance, and like Mao's China and things like that. But capitalism is the the best system that we have right now, and we can see that through um, by, by looking at the United States, maybe for an example. Now, my opponent's logic can't really tear that down, so I'm not saying that my opponent's position isn't viable and that there's nothing there. I'm just saying that he's done a bad job proving it. 
And I think that's the heart of an effective response to the K. It's, it's not going to be sufficient to simply say, Ks are bad. That's a K. Therefore, I win. Yeah. But instead, you've got, if you, if you run into a K situation, you need to be ready. Be on the lookout for really shaky links, really insufficient warrant, broad claims. Uh, call for evidence. Call for, call, ask for people to show you their cards and find out if they're clipping the evidence and they're, they're eliting half of sentences. Figure out what's actually going on so that you can then come back with a response to show the judge that there is not an actual connection between all this stuff that the neg read and the affirmative case. And I, I think that's really uh, so it's going to be quite fun, I think, to uh, go, go into competing at some of the best teams in the country and see what kinds of arguments they run and see if we can hold our own in some way. Yeah, I think it's going to be great to, to um, actually experience in round watching someone run a K just to understand how exactly does it work in a debate? What does it look like in a Lincoln-Douglas debate? And eventually, I'd like to see it in a policy debate and see how that would work out there as well. But as sort of to just wrap up the episode, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with critiques in policy debate, and it's understandable that people would want to add new things to an old resolution after you know, 10, 11 months of debating this resolution. Um, and given that policy rounds are like an hour long or something like that, I couldn't they're imagine. Longer than that. They're yeah, they're, an hour and yeah, a half. Exactly. I couldn't imagine arguing the same thing for 12 months. Um, I'm just saying that I, I don't think K's are effective in achieving their intended purpose um, or, or achieving the purpose that is initially laid out. And I think that if they have any other purpose, then there would be a bad practice in debate. I think if you're going to run a K in a round and you actually believe in the issue that you're talking about, then running a K is only harming your ability to solve for that issue. And there are better things that you could be doing to solve for that because you're framing that issue as a mechanism for you winning the debate. And nobody after actually winning a resolution on a K, or winning a round in a K, does anything to perpetuate a solution for some narrative that they've proposed. And if you're using it as a winning strategy, then you're going against the intended purpose of what a K was for in the first place, or what it, the voice purpose for what a K is. And I think that's just bad practice in debate and that we should base our arguments on truth. So that's my first principle there. I like it. Yep. I like it a lot. Well, before we wrap this episode up, uh, I think we should take a moment and do a quick shout out to uh, 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 some positive yes, email we got yes. back. Because uh, this is from, uh, well, it's a couple weeks ago at this point, but on uh, January 23rd, we got an email from Ruth in. Uh, let me, uh, in Iowa, Iowa. Iowa. Yep. Yeah. Ruth in Iowa. Uh, she is a coach who does not have a lot of institutional support and uh, apparently has found, she found our YouTube channel and thinks that's been uh, quite good. So uh, Ruth, we're glad that we can help you and uh, help, uh, help your daughter with, uh, with uh, learning more about debate. Anything yeah. you want to add there, Ethan? No, I, w I love it when people reach out to us. I think it was awesome. And I think um, Ruth is just... One, she's an amazing mom because her daughter is the only person on the debate team and she is taking all of her time to take her daughter to tournaments um, and, and teach her daughter debate with the experience that she has. And I just think that's a really great thing to see a mom doing for her daughter. Um, and I can imagine that they're having a lot of fun with it too. Um, so I would, I just want to encourage them and say that like debate may not be easy in the beginning or easy as you go on, but, um, that's a really admirable thing. And I'm excited to see where they get with their rounds and their tournaments. It's just really nice to hear feedback. So if any of you have feedback, we would love to hear from you guys because that always makes us happy. We really enjoy that. 
Uh, it really, that's so true. And I think with that, we're going to go ahead and uh, wrap up. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us here on What's the Res. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at whatstherez at gmail.com. And, uh, Ethan, how, uh, where, where else can people yep, find us? You can follow us on um, Instagram, Twitter, and Reddit at whatstherez underscore. And you can email us at the address that Josh told you. Or you can look at our website. That's www.whatstherez.com. We have a link there to all of our premium debates. If you're um, looking for some premium content, watching actual debates between actual people, um, and all of our episodes are also listed on the website if you don't have a podcast listening platform at hand. And with that, work hard, speak well, and seek the truth. <laughs>